Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, folks, and welcome to another Tech London podcast. One day I'll work out how to start this, but for now, um, I have my mate Ben. Are we, are we friends, Ben? Do you want to? Yeah, do we're we friends, definitely. We're friends. Yeah, we, we we met. We nearly had a punch up on stage at the Barclays uh, fintech incubator in um, in Shoreditch, but now we we kissed and made up very quickly. So, so Ben, what are you known for, and what would you like to be known for? Uh, I'm known, I guess, for being a founder at Othership, uh, or co-founder, I should always say. It was my co-founder's lovely idea who brought me in onto the business. Uh, what would I like to be known for? Probably absolutely nothing at all at some point in the future, so I can just relax and enjoy my life as much as humanly possible. Going, going climbing and other things like that. Yeah, exactly. With pure anonymity would be amazing, which is pretty much what I have today. So that's okay. But if the business keeps going well, then maybe that won't happen one day. (laughs) I'd always, if I was, if I was in a band, I'd always go down the Daft Punk or the Orbital route. So I'd, I'd be very, very well known, but no one would recognize me. You know, imagine being able to sit, imagine being in Daft, like Daft Punk could sit in Pret in Leicester Square and no one would know who they were. Yeah, it's got to be the dream, hasn't it? That it's like this. Uh, basically, you don't want to be Steve Jobs; you want to be the other one in the entrepreneur world. <laughs> Steve, Steve Wozniak. I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm reading his um, book at the moment, which is really it's four years old now, but um, it's, it's actually very interesting because everyone forgets him. Um, so, so what is so today, folks? We're going to talk about. I hate this phrase. I want to stab myself in the eye as I say it. Like the future of work. Which is which is probably one of the most saturated terms on the internet at the moment and in our and in our our, our world. Um, so there's there's the future of work, and if you explain a bit about how what other ship is, because that is a, a lot of us in the co working universe think that is the future of work. So what's other ship, Ben? Oh, thank you, Bernie. So yeah, other ship, and I do agree the future of work is sort of one of those topics at the moment, a bit like mobility and transport was a few years ago. Very sort of popular uh, terminology, but for me and for other ship, it was fundamentally about having better working practices and that meant freedoms. Arno, my co-founder, and I started off looking with the freedom to work from anywhere. And that's how we started Othership. It's where our sort of core service or hero product lies within our, our membership base. And it's a network of workspaces, both paid workspaces like your dedicated co-working venues and what we tried to do to build something really flexible and very different so anyone can work from anywhere was a network of hand-picked free workspaces across good hospitality venues where you can go in sit down get a free coffee plug in use the wi-fi not be judged and the cool thing that we noticed over the years and i think became apparent to the rest of the world during those lockdowns that we've gone through recently is working remotely can also be pretty isolating. So we went from being like a booking platform into a membership where you can actually connect with the other people in those spaces and make friends, make business networks, have people to vent at, have someone to have that little coffee break with. And that's really important to us as well. So I think the future of work for us is that flexibility and freedom for people to choose where they work from 
to even be able to work in India for a major consultancy based in London and not have those restrictions on visas and relocations and finances that might stop you and have the network and community that you would want around you of sort of colleagues and friends to be able to have a good working life because that's just as important as the freedom to choose where you work from. Beautiful. What's um, I, I like the way you use float working. I, I think, you know, that, that is almost too cute for its own good, but I really like it. Oh, where, thank where, you. Where, where, where did that come from? So that came from trying to work out exactly what it was that we were doing, because we always talk about all the different terms. People talk about hybrid working, flexible working, co-working. And for us, what we're doing is combining co-working with flexible working. So co-working spaces, like your traditional co-working spaces that we all know, quite often people are going to the same building every single day to go and work from there. And I definitely don't turn that a flexible workspace. To me, that's just another office building somewhere. So we call it flow working, combining that mix of flexible working to work from anywhere, but to do that alongside other people in collaboration and alongside others. So flow working. <laughs> I, I, I really like it. That, 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 that is very true because I, I am in a co-working space in Ilford um, and it works really well for me. Um, but I do uh, like my best my best time my my summer of love with flexible working was um like in 2011 12 and 13 when i was part of a meetup group called kindred where i met a, a lot of folks from um you know the tech london slack channel and this was before the the gold rush of co-working spaces in london um and alex butler who was part of the like tech city makeup she she organizes meetup and we go to a different co-working space every day. And at that point, um, if you turn, if you rang up a co-working space and said, I'm going to come in with like 15 freelancers for four hours and you just have to give us a space. That was a great way of getting people into the building. Uh, and that's how I got to know so many co-working spaces in London. Cause we just went as they open, they get in touch with Alex or she'd get in touch with them. And, and we, we'd go there, but we went to a different place every day. Um, I, I didn't like the commute, but I really enjoyed changing venue seeing different people people who were resident in there you you bump into them like every two weeks and and it was a it was a, a really it was, a, it was a very nice existence and got to know a lot of people in a, in a very unorganized way but there was a flow to it if, if it do you see what i mean yeah i do because it seems so chaotic i think to some people at first and slightly terrifying but once you actually get out and start trying to do it and you integrate it into your life, I think that's what's so important. So you're going out for a meeting. You've got somewhere you can work from five minutes away. You go to go and get your hair done in town. You need to get your shopping done in town. You're picking up your kid from nursery. There's always a little space near you that you can go in or a big space near you that you can go in, sit down, get some work done and get on with your life. And it's about for me integrating work into your life and that's how i try to achieve a work-life balance as someone who's quite addicted to working <clears throat> so for me it's important to have that ability to combine the two and and sort of drive that efficiency that comes with it as well so so the other thing um that i, I always feel a bit of i know pedantic saying this is that the, you know what you and i are talking about has been happening for ages and then last March, so we're recording this in 2021, and in March 2020, when like lockdown and COVID really became a, a full. I remember one of the last in public things we did was the uh, the Right Club at Other Ship in um, 
the the restaurant in Saint uh, near Smithfield, Smiths of Smithfield, um, and it was like people were like oh it, I didn't realize I just thought everyone knew how to do a, a Zoom or a Teams or a Meet um, video call and knew how to work remotely, but it, it, it's and, and uh, there's people. You know, I was in clubhouse rooms and other Zoom calls and people saying, I think the future of work is going to turn into this. And, and I was always going, well, this is what this is what people have been doing for ages, mate. It's not like a new thing. And um, what, what, where, do you th- where do you think the gap is? Is it just people haven't experienced this or they, they don't realize they can work like this? Where, where's the block? Yeah, I think that was. I think there was a block probably this is going to – maybe get me in trouble, but probably due to age in senior management that was limiting the deployment of remote working and tools for remote working. That's my sort of gut feeling around it. Um, and I'm happy that during the lockdowns, they were able to embrace it and not force people to keep commuting and going to into offices. And I think it's going to force a change for the future because people are just aware now how easy it is and how much more accessible it is. And I was taught by a manager a long time ago that you can make something that maybe works better, but if it's any harder for people, they're just not going to adopt it at all. And I think in this case, there's some truth within that, that, now encouraging people to go back onto public transport five days a week to do those commutes, to sit in that building when they know how easy it is to work from home and the productivity gains that they can achieve. And hopefully with things like Othership and all the different collaboration and community tools that have come out have a nice sense of self and not isolation at home. I just don't see how people are ever going to go back because surely that's harder to sit on a train five days a week and commute back into an office every day where, where let's face it, we just didn't want to be five days a week, at least for many of us. I know some people did, but a lot of us didn't. Yeah. I think like what, uh, there was a, an, an event we did um, called workplace trends, which has been going since uh, it's run by Maggie and Nigel Um and it's about the office and all this type of stuff. And it's been going since like 2004. And this year, they, people were talking about, you know, are we going back to the office? And there were, there were people from things like Herman Miller and other workplace consultants and stuff like that. It's a very well-informed group of people. So, and it, it's just like nearly everyone who ran a survey about the office, if you, if you sort of put them all in a blender and whisk them out the other side, is 70% of people, it's not they don't want to go back to the office. They, they want to have the choice of where they work, you know. For, um, and the other bit of that came out of that is like people don't mind being in an office. They mind doing the commute. Uh, and, the, and, and that's the bit that is like, why do I sit, you know, why do I sit on a train coming into, you know, we're in London, so we use that commuting into london and i i know like now i'm in an office that's like 15 minutes from my home i don't know why i didn't do this before and then i come into london to meet people and and i have way more autonomy over what i do but um i I i've no idea why i would why i spent like nearly a decade renting space in co-working spaces which i love in town it was it was like nuts it's, it is, isn't it? It's, it is crazy when you look at it like this and how much it can change your life with 
with with these changes like i don't think people realize until they start doing it and have done in lockdowns like the difference to be able to wake up or have an extra hour in the morning from not having that commute and be able to drop your child at a nursery or make breakfast for them in the morning or go to your gym or go for the run in the morning like you are gaining back months of your life in a year by avoiding those commutes and that's valuable precious time that we have to do things we enjoy with people we care about and and ourselves um yeah i just think i I had um i had one friend who's uh very senior in his company and and he's a great guy and um we were talking about this and he actually said, Oh, I need people in the office where I can see them. And, and both me and my wife like nearly flipped. Like, what do you mean where you can see them? So I know they're working. And, and, and it, it was a family pie. So it wasn't the place to get into an argument <laughs> about the ethics of stuff like this, but he goes, I don't know my people are working. It's like, are you like stupid or something? Like if you, if you operate a place where with such low trust and ownership, you're screwed, whether they're in the office or out of the office, um and i and i don't know because i haven't like read and researched and gone around and interviewed people but i I just think there's a lot of people with that mindset of almost you know there's such low trust in some companies and such this command and control mentality that's like you know left over from the 1950s or something um that is that is one of the best things about the whole lockdown COVID thing is it's blown that out of the water. And some people are going to force people to go back to it. Some people actually need to be in the same space because it, it works for creativity and solving problems. And I love being, you know, I work on a very remote team. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's like 30 people in our company and I've only ever met one of them in person, um, which is really weird. But um, <laughs> do, you, do you think you have, real relationships with those people I think like, I've been, obviously they're real uh do you think you have sort of good strong um, more emotional relationships than maybe you would expect from just online with those people I, I think i've been working like this for at least 12 years and a few years ago or maybe more than a few years a long time ago i did a course with um a lady called Lisette Sutherland. I'll put a link in the show notes who has been talking about remote teams and remote work for a, a hundred years. And there's Pilar Orti who's somewhere on this podcast as well. Uh, I just learned a lot about working remotely and I used to be part of a very big, it wasn't a company, but it was an organization and they were all over the world. And um, very early on, I was determined to find a way to work online. So I'm already, it's already like another way of life for me. Or, or it's the way I it's the way I work, and then working with this group of people, um, they you know we we all th- we were all thrown together, and we particularly in the last few months we've had to work out how to how to work together even more because a lot of stuff happened to us and a lot of stuff was thrown at us and we dealt with it and now we're trying to build something so our whole relationship is needing to move up a few gears. Um, and that bit, I mean, it's, it's all part of the fun and I love it, but that is a bit, we're all struggling. I was having a conversation this morning about it, how we can like get everyone on the same page, even though we're in different parts of the world. Does that answer your question? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think some people who even are in a building or sit around each other find it hard to get on the same page, <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm sure there's many teams who know there's sort of discrepancy in ways of doing things or desires on how to do things. Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't struggle with this. Oh, no, it's interesting because we're a mix, I guess, at other shit between online and real life. We have our Slack, as you know, with lots of people in here that engage with each other and for me that's a really important part of the business because i love working from home and i love isolation i actually have to go to my workspaces like for my mental health to see other people because i could just dive into doing something code or building workflows or whatever from home and just and just not go out or for weeks dungeons and, and dragons yeah exactly too much um but i find to build those like real relationships online is all about and a bit like we were talking about before with, with customer engagement and building a business, like to build any meaningful relationship, you have to give yourself. Um, and I think therefore, if you're online in Zoom and things, people sort of worry about their professionalism, people, loads of people still blur their backgrounds. And I kind of understand why, but I think if you're a bit braver and almost emphasize some of those characteristics that make you more when you're online like let those relationships build as if you were in a space and couldn't hide <laughs> some of those aspects of, of who you are um but then i guess lots of people put on a suit and used to go to an office and probably hid who they were with tattoos hidden under shirts and things so i guess it's not that dissimilar i'm just not that type of person everything's uh, in it, my sleep you know that <laughs> there's, there's, there's a bit of all that going on but what, one of the things i very early on um, found because people were like forced into situations. So there's a lot of people, you know, we're lucky we live in a, um, a home and with lots of rooms and stuff like that. Not, not that many rooms, but you know, people, when I, when I was younger, I lived in, oh, you know, for about 10 years in London, I shared houses. So there's like four or five of us living in a house. And if we'd all had to have um, all worked from home, yeah. Um, which I know a lot of people are doing nowadays. That's very different from this kind of, um, you know, there, there was a, a survey, Scott Galloway, um, who writes a lot about, you know, future of work and business and stuff like that, had this book called Post Corona. And he highlighted that um, something like 80% of the jobs that pay over 100K a year can be done from a computer. So mm-hmm. but if you're earning 100K a year, you probably have already have a remote work set up at home or you, you know to boat, go and buy a Herman Miller chair or something. Yeah. And you can afford to do that. But if you're like, start, if you're 22 working in an agency in Charlotte Street and sharing a house in Camden and you've you got your laptop given to you by work, that's a very different, you know, working environment. You're not set up. You don't have the economies to like work from home. Um, so, you know, people are, people are thrown in, thrown into this situation and, we, some of the calls you came to with the London co-working assembly, there's people who were previously in their co-working spaces and now they're at home yeah. and they're joining the zoom calls from their bedrooms. And we all started, you know, we don't do it so much now, but we'd be like, Oh, you know, are you in your bedroom? Yeah, I'm in my bedroom. And there's a, this is a shame of doing a call from your bedroom suddenly. And then everyone, everyone was in the same boat. So they were just, I don't care anymore. You know, it's really nice to see you in your pajamas and, yeah. you know, and people, and people had to find a way to deal with it, you know, because for some people that was the only person they saw all day on that call. So I think it humanized and leveled the playing field in, in a lot of positive ways. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I agree with you about the ideas of workspaces for companies that are out there at the moment that aren't providing 
flexible working solutions, but are asking their staff to work flexibly. My brother works for a very big bank with UK funding, and they have a group of staff who, and I think they're changing this thanks to him lobbying through it and and the business listening, but originally they asked 13% of the staff to work remotely um, for the vast majority of the time with no solution. Now, my brother is exactly like you say. He's one of those graduates who's come out, he's in a shared house, um, you know, really potentially not suitable. So, yeah, I think there's there's still a lot to be looked at for that future of work solution where people are saying, oh, we're going flexible. But I feel like some of the onus or a lot of the onus at the moment is being put onto the employee to solve. Um, And respect to companies like Buffer, who are remote first businesses, who actually give budgets allocated to to their employees and i believe the way buffer do it is they give you a budget every month and you can spend it how you like and you mentioned earlier the freedom for people like i am all about the freedom uh whether it's freedom of thought freedom of movement freedom of access into jobs freedom of expression lots of different freedoms that i think are very important to people in their lives and and their work I'm respect to them that they give them the freedom to choose how to spend that. So to go to a co-working space, to use cafes, I guess you could probably use it to fly somewhere else and take an Airbnb if you wanted to. Um, it might be buying an office chair for your home office. Um, I think that's a nice way to try and do it. But that takes a lot of that trust if you're giving someone a budget to and freedom to spend it on what they want for their remote working life. I'd, I'd spend it on even more computer screens. Um, well, just just, <laughs> just, just before we... Just before we jump off, we were talking about like um, what it that that bit about. Uh, I, I jotted it down here, folks. So I'm going to misquote him, misquote him. But there's there's like when you're when you're building a company and you're putting. I wrote down here putting your soul on the line, and people don't quite realise how that is. Am I going to manage to plug you back into that? That when you when you say this is me, this is my company, this is what we're building. I kind of hope you like it. And, and the mental energy that goes into that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's not even that sort of bit about putting yourself above the parapet so much. I mean, that bit's pretty scary in itself. But if you're doing something and you are completely new coming into a market, you've got to build trust with people, I guess. And how do you build trust with people? And that comes back to what I was saying about being on Zoom. Like the best way to build trust with people is to show them who you are. But to show them who you are is is giving a piece of your soul. And that's what I was saying. That's the, the sort of closest thing I can give. And that takes a weighty toll. Uh, and I think it's why a lot of companies a lot of startups a lot of people even going into freelancing maybe struggle in the beginning to engage with people even with a good product a good service a good website a good communication strategy uh, because actually they struggle to care enough to want to reveal themselves enough and and take that feedback from other people and and sort of build that loyalty i mean some of our first customers are so unbelievably loyal that we don't call them really customers in the business we don't we definitely don't call people users for sure i ban it as a term in the business like our first members became our friends um and i still hang out with them and spend time with them um so yeah you do give a bit of your soul uh, and i hate that term users too 
you, you whenever someone says users, I always feel like it's a, you know, a rehab center or something. Yeah. I, I know it's like the established industry lingo. Um, the, the way you're talking there reminds me of, um, I'm reading, uh, the, the Carl Cox, a DJ, I'm reading his autobiography at the moment. And he took, yeah, there's this club, which I, I, I never went to, but I remember it cause I used to work near it. Um, do, do you remember break for the border? No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I'm not a clubber, Bernie. I'm terrible with that. I'm, uh, so, so I'm here, this heard behind my laptop. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was near there in the nineties. And, um, there was a club called velvet underground and it could only hold like 200, 250 people. And that's where he would play in the nineties and the, the mid two thousand, the early two thousands. Like that was his resident place. And the people that came there, it was like the, the 200 people that were the, the loyal people. And he's, he, he talks about it in the book of like, you know, they were people paying to come to a club to hear a DJ, but really, you know, it wasn't about, we, we, he made less money at that night that he was at all the time than he was in going off and playing in, you know, all these superstar, um, places. And there's something about that. I think this is what you get really well. You, you folks get really well in that Slack channel. There's that, that, that community of like the Kevin Kelly 1000 true fans. And, you know, that is for a lot of, you know, unless you're sending like a, an app in the app store, you know, those true fans are the people that are, I think they're going to make it more than ever in, in the kind of economic climate and the recession that's coming up. Yeah. And it's great because they hold you accountable. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and that's amazing. I love that. And it's one of the bits that will be really interesting for the future of our business. We went down an investment route, which I guess quite a few people through Tech London will look at for their businesses. Um, we have to build governance into our business to make sure that that community is still represented. I'm actually really proud that last in our last investment round, we took on a community member as an investor with us as a business and their voice is, is now heard as a shareholder in our business, which I'm absolutely delighted about. Is that, is that uh, Ollie? It's not actually, it's someone else, but uh, Ollie is in Tech London and yeah, Ollie knows us pretty well. <laughs> there we go. Um, I've, I've, we've gone over our time and, I, and I've got my car on double yellow lines outside the recording studio. So, so Ben, where can people find you? What do you want, what do you want to leave people with? Uh, well, I am in Tech London, so that's an easy way for anyone who's listening to this, I guess, to be able to get hold of me. I'm just having a look uh, what I actually put my own username as in there because I have absolutely no idea what it is. It's probably at other shit Ben or at Ben no, Carew. It's your surname, it's one or the other. There we go, at Ben Carew. I have a better yeah. better etiquette than that. I put Ben Carew. Uh, so, yeah, you can hit me up in Slack really easily. That's definitely the best way to find me or get hold of me. Um, if you're in the other ship Slack, I know there's a few people over in Tech London who are already in, in our community. Uh, obviously, you know how to message me here. What you might not know is in the Working From channel, I'm pretty much posting up once, twice a week where I'm dropping around in London and working from. I love meeting other members and spending time with people. Um, and actually, if you're in Bristol, I'm going to be down hosting co-work and brunch in Bristol um you can see a link on our website we put on coffee croissants like networking in the morning so people can chat to each other and then you can spend the rest of the day in a co-working space with us for free um and yeah i'll be going down to bristol because i like to i like to see everything <laughs> so we launched our events that we've been doing in london like pre-covid for about a year like every week we've launched them over in manchester and bristol as well and obviously i i want to go see them <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna go down that is a, like this the other ship thing is a really good way of meeting off offline in a um which is you know social distancing does apply but um in a, in a 
a, a low risk way. Can you? I should have done this way more elegantly. Can you just say a little bit about um, pitching your business, the other ship thing? Oh, pitching my business. What the event that we have? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's it. Oh, cool. So yeah, we do an event called Pitch for Investment. It's actually really popular, um, and it should be because we spent about a year when we raised our first investment round doing loads of pitch events around London. Sorry to anyone who's running them, but most of them are absolutely rubbish in the sense that there's no actual real investors in the room, and some of them are asking for quite a lot to pitch. So we put on an event, and we, like everything, wanted to do something more meaningful. So we put on uh, three to five panellists, uh, who are all angel investors or sitting actually at the top of uh, two angel investment funds. Uh, so they've actually got cash to deploy into businesses being the point. And we invite six founders to come and pitch. You get five minutes to pitch uh, like a Dragon's Den style. And then they will ask questions, each of the panelists afterwards. And hopefully, if you've got a good business, you will get some investment through us and it will help you along on your round um it's yeah definitely one of our busiest events uh you won't be able to register to pitch for this month but i think there's like two spots left in for next month or something but yeah go check it out i'm really proud of this event um and a really meaningful one if you're actually looking at raising investment is it is it always going to be online or are you going to start doing it in person I'm going to do a mix. So we will do in real life and online. So we're all about accessibility, work from anywhere. I feel it would be disingenuous of me to be able to put it that you can only come and pitch if you can get your ass to London. Um, I just don't want to do that. Um, so no, we're going to do a mix of real life and online. I think at some point in time, we will stream through a popular gaming platform uh, that many of you know that you can watch gaming on uh, and some various other channels. That's a good well, Discord. Uh, Discord. We're not, we're going to go Twitch. We're going to go Twitch. Okay. <laughs> I don't always want to say everything because all my competitors are always listen to everything we do all the time. And then they always wonder how we build community. If they actually listen to half the bloody podcast, they can know everything I'm doing for the next six months. But there we go. Instead, they just take copy off our website or call the listings and then don't understand why it's not the same. Let, let it go. <laughs> breathe in love and breathe out hate, Ben. Okay. We, we're going to. Well, gonna... uh, no grumpiness here. No, you know, it's fine. Yeah. You know me, Ben. It's like, I do. On edge. <laughs> that, that's what makes it so great. Okay. We're going to we're gonna hit it and quit now. Um, really appreciate your time, Ben. I love the way you guys are handling it over there at Othership. And I hope you can meet in real life soon. Say goodbye, Ben. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Bernie, for having me. And uh, yeah, cool to be part of Tech London. You've been listening to the Tech London Show. If you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show, make sure you join our Slack group over at techlondon.io. Till next time.